Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good Sunday morning to you, 10.07 on Sunday, October 22nd. It is The Huddle, Dave Schwartz, Pete Nigerian, Charlie Weiss. Great to have you with us. And, hmm, where will we start today, Pete? I guess, <laughs> I guess maybe it'll be the catch uh, or, not, or lack thereof heard around the world, right? I, I mean, a... a an incredibly interesting game yesterday. I, I guess from what I gathered, the first twenty were first uh, forty weren't all that interesting, and and then uh, the last twenty was amazing. It was an it was an unbelievable turn. Um, it, you know, Pete, I'm sure you saw every second or have digested every second of it. I, I have watched the highlights and seen most of what I believe is the way I kind of saw it was a pretty. I guess you could call it sloppy offensive yeah. effort, a phenomenal defensive effort, and then we can get into whether we thought you know the the fair catch was was or was not a fair catch. Uh, but but what were your initial kind of takeaways from the game yesterday? You know, I, I thought we did a good job of having some ability to have a running game. I'm not trying to say it was the greatest running game we've had because it certainly was not. But at least we were able to. To move the ball a little bit, it's great to see Darius Taylor, Zach Evans, Sean Tyler. I, I think all three of those running backs, like the Gophers always have, um, did a did a very good job against one of the best defenses that I've seen. I, you know, you look around college football, and you look and you look at certain teams where they're complete, and then there are other teams that are absolutely not, and that would be Iowa because. That is the worst offense I I may have ever seen in college football. I, I yeah. really, I think Gustavus could stop those guys right now, <laughs> and and that's not a, a a pushing out on a Gustavus even. It's right. it's just amazing. Uh, you know, it's amazing at that level, and with the you know the coaching staff and some of the pressure that's on the offensive coordinator, the coach's son, and all the rest of that stuff. Um, it's it's just amazing how bad Iowa consistently has been offensively for so many years actually you know we've we've had a, a year or two you know where we've got a quarterback but I think the reality is we've had uh great tight ends come out of Iowa some great players on the offensive line come out of Iowa but when it comes to quarterbacks and and some of the what we've seen they just haven't had it and and even the running backs I mean they're okay but they're but they're not great so I think my takeaway was the Gophers gave gave ourselves a great chance by playing unbelievable defense but with the caveat that that's one of the if if not the worst offense in all yeah. of college football it's really close 
<laughs> well, there, yes, and there's a couple of things that really bug me, and we'll, we'll we'll get to the catch for sure or, or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, the the fact that they couldn't even score, get in the end zone for a mm-hmm. touchdown mm-hmm. against an Iowa team that I believe gave up what 14 to Purdue, and Purdue's not very good either. Uh, that that to me still, you know, the fact that they had to settle for only field goals, I think, bothers me just a little bit. But ultimately. <laughs> This came down to one play, and football, you know, it never comes down to one play, right? Because it's always, it's it's a, it's all the plays that before it that lead to that moment, and then that play is the definitive one. So yeah. if you if you missed it or you didn't you didn't see it, Cooper DeJean uh, from Iowa makes what he says is not a fair catch call. He was trying to call the re- as I understand it, Pete. He's trying to call the rest of his team away from it. So that once it bounces, he's going to pick it up and go. Mm-hmm. And you can see the video. He is pointing with his right hand. And he is almost, to me, what looks like waving his left hand in a way that you would get a third base coach waving a guy around to home. It's what right. it looked like to me. And at what point, and I mean, I've watched this 12 to 15 times now. At what point, one point, his hand is above his head and his arm goes back and forth. So this is ruled an invalid fair catch. Mm-hmm. And they talked to the referee after the game, Tim O'Day, and he said the receiver makes a pointing gesture with his right hand and makes multiple wave gestures with his left hand. The waving motion of the left hand constitutes an invalid fair catch signal. So then when the receiving team recovers the ball by rule, it becomes dead. It's a reviewable element to the game. They let the play play out and then went to review. Review shows with indisputable video evidence that there was a waving motion with the left hand. I don't disagree with this. And and listen, if you're an Iowa person, you disagree with it. I, I get it. I get it. You're, you're going to see this with whatever color glasses you're wearing. But it is a clear wave of his arm in some way. It's not the traditional fair catch, but it's not a non, you know, he's not making it very clear that he's taking it either. Um, so it's invalid. And if you do that, the right thing to do is to whistle the ball dead if you make any sort of things right. You may not like the call, but it is, in my mind, the correct call. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you know, and, and we were talking, and Charlie being a huge fan as well uh, of the Golden Gophers. Charlie loves the call. Yeah, oh, yeah. Best yeah, call loved, ever, right, Charlie? Yeah, the best call. I will say this. You know, it, it always comes down to what side are you on, right? I yes. mean, because if, if you're on the Iowa side, and, and if you are the head coach who had been instructed or he instructed the, the, the refs about fair catches, and they talked about this, and he said, it's got to be well above the head or whatever yep. the, you know, the statement was. Um, you know, that's that weird gray area then, right? Because I understand he puts his hand, he's flopping it around. You're exactly right. It's as if he's waving off something or whatever, but you know, you could see the argument that the coach could have for that particular thing because the hand was not, you know, blatantly up in the air. Now I'm, I'm just giving them that benefit of a doubt. The reality is at some point, uh, you know, it, it looked like he had enough movement, enough out, enough out there that it was a fair catch, it was the right call, and everything else. But you hate to win like that, too. I yes. mean, you, 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 as Iowa, obviously you don't want to lose that way. But 
I'll tell you, I don't know that I saw a single gopher stop playing. I don't think any of the gophers on the field acted as if it was a uh, it wasn't no, a live no. ball. They so, tried to catch him and, and right. very poorly, I might add. They did yes. a terrible job. <laughs> the, the, the pun return on that play was not great. I mean, it was not great right. coverage. Yeah. It's, so I, I was go just going to say, go so ahead. it so it so it looks like you know it it looks like everything about it is a play. So that even throws in a little bit of another element of well. The players didn't just stop. I mean, it would have been one thing had had our players just said, oh, yeah, that was a fair catch and, and we're stopping. So, you know, you could see why the Iowa fans. It's also why the referees, that was a long time. Yeah, <laughs> That break was a really long time to try to figure this thing out, which, which shows you how close this really was in terms of the call that they made. I think the most important thing, though, like you just said earlier, it does not come down to one play. The fact that they had 127 total yards, not running yards, not passing, total yards is yeah. pathetic. I mean, that is that shows you a lot about how bad their offense is and a little bit about how good I think we played on defense. And all of this gets kind of lost in this because of this play. Daniel Jackson had a great game, right? Yeah. So, yep. you know, you look around and there's a lot of players that you'd like to focus on, but, you know, the the reality is the focus is all on this one play and and whether, whether or not it was a fair catch. And, right. um, yeah. you know, that that's the part that's too bad, quite honestly. And, and Pete, 127 yards, uh, the, the bigger stat there, two of those in the second half, two <laughs> yards yeah. for the Iowa <laughs> offense in the second half. You don't deserve to win a game with two yards of offense in a half. I mean, Correct. you don't want to win that way. Correct. But Iowa sure didn't seem to want to win either. No, and they had they made so many mistakes, Charlie and Dave. I mean, the fact that they had six penalties. You know, you had three turnovers. You had a couple of fumbles, an interception. You're you're averaging a point four yards per carry. I, I, <laughs> so there was a lot of reasons why. Uh, not only were we in the game, despite the fact that all we did was kick field goals, but, yes. uh, you know, the, so that part's embarrassing. I'll tell you what, I, there's one player that I, I want to highlight because we never talk enough about a lot of the players on our defensive side of the ball because we're kind of focused on offense all the time. Maverick Baranowski. That kid's a football player, man. I mean, that linebacker is a great is running, linebacker running, name. By oh, the way. it's one of the it's one of the best it, linebacker it really names. Is. You know, there was Stonebreaker back in the days at Notre Dame. That was a great <laughs> name, but Baron Baronowski is just phenomenal. And Maverick being his first name, I yeah. mean, that's just killer. But that kid's a football player, and 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 that whole defense should be proud because they. They put it to them, and you know you expect at least a pass that goes somewhere or whatever. Uh, they just didn't do it. We suffocated that team down there in Iowa City, and that's that's what you want. That's what I loved watching because I'm a defensive guy. I, I, that defense really stepped up. The Gopher football program tweeted last night with a picture of Floyd of Rosedale on the on the bus coming back uh, to Minnesota. I. I we can talk about the seat belting job that you would do for a, a giant pig, an iron pig. It was interesting. Uh, this is PJ Flex' first win in Iowa, uh, and and it's the first time the team's won in Iowa since I think it was '99. Was yeah. that right? '90. I mean, yep, it's 99. been many many years. Uh, PJ was still in high school, and it made me wonder now. So, and we've talked about this, and, and we'll we'll end the segment here and begin the next one uh, in a moment, but. What does this do for your thoughts? And I'm asking everybody out there your thoughts on PJ Fleck because a lot of people were out there saying, 
his lack of good play calling, his, his inconsistency, his... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Recruiting, all these things. They're all reasons why P.J. Fleck is on the hot seat. Well, now he just beat Iowa. Now he just got the first win in Kinnick in almost in, in tw- almost 25 years. So where are you now? Does this change how you feel about P.J. Fleck this season? Give us a call on the City's One Plumbing Talk and text line 651-461-9226. It's the City's One Plumbing Talk and text line. I'm still on the P.J. Fleck bandwagon. I'll explain why. We'll do that next. You're listening to The Huddle on 830 WCCO. This is a great song. And what's it called? Uh, Come on. Oh, now I'm going to forget it. (laughs) It's not Iron Man. I want to say Iron Man, but it's not. (laughs) It's it's War Pigs. War Pigs. (laughs) Come on. Oh, well played. There's a theme. I'm kind of I'm kind of embarrassed. I didn't know that. Um, so the Gophers win yesterday. PJ Fleck. Uh, when is, my favorite comment yesterday on Twitter was awaiting the um, release for PJ Fleck's next contract extension <laughs> after beating <laughs> Iowa. Pete again, and I've I've said this all along. And to be completely honest with you, yesterday's win doesn't really change my thoughts any on, on no. PJ Fleck. I'm. I, I've never been at all this season, good, bad, or indifferent. I've never thought that he should be on the hot seat. And and when you look at his per winning percentage, if you factor it in, 61%, 0.615, so 62% wins in seven years. He's got 48 wins, 30 losses. He's four for four in bowl games. Four for four in bowl games. <laughs> he is 10th all-time in winning percentage. Listen to some of the names. Now, granted, you got to take seasons out of it and games with things like that better than tracy clay is not a surprise better than jerry kill better than lou holtz better than <clears throat> jeff horton doesn't matter better than tim brewster right better than 
where else was I? I lost my list here. Um, better than Glenn Mason? A better winning percentage with, than, than Glenn Mason. Now, Glenn Mason was here 10 years. P.J. Fleck was seven. I, this idea that, that the next great thing is out there to me is very puzzling. I, I don't understand this. P.J. Fleck has won here. He's won bowl games here. Has he won Big Ten titles yet? No, he has not. And I think that's the big thing. Seven years in, you would expect at some point that this team might contend for a Big Ten title. They've contended for a Big Ten West title, but not a Big Ten title. And, Mm -hmm. you know, college football is different now than it was 10 years ago. It's different than it was five years ago. It's harder and harder, I think, in the Big Ten to contend for a title when you look at how many teams in the Big Ten East are so dang good. Mm -hmm. It's just incredible. So it's it's different. And, And to think that there's another coach out there that's going to have more success, bring in better players. Now, we've talked at length about, I think, the play calling could be a little bit less um, a little bit less conservative, but I also don't think Ethan Kaliak-Manis is where, we th- you know, where we'd hoped he'd be at this point in the season. He still looks mm-hmm. very raw to me, and there's got to be some more done there. So that, that leaves you with a finite amount of plays you can call when you have a quarterback like that. But you also have a phenomenal running game. And so, to me, this changes nothing. I still think Fleck has done a good job this year. To me, it's just great. He, he beat Iowa. Another, another thing in, in his kind of feather in his cap. And as he would say, now i got to go beat Wisconsin because it's not mm-hmm. good. You know, you're only as good as the next day in college football. It's so true. And, and you look at what, uh, what P.J. has been able to accomplish. It, not all of it is great. We know that. Big Ten were basically 500, I believe. So that's it's a matter of how what your perspective is and here's the one pushback that I would have Dave and you you kind of alluded to this somewhat but it isn't the east we're in the west and and that would be a part where I'd say you know we have to be better in the west because these days Nebraska has not been good right Purdue has not been great Illinois has had maybe one great year uh last year uh Wisconsin has been very consistent Iowa's fairly consistent but you know, we have to step up. So, you know, what's going to be the challenge is, and if you want to go with the Glenn Mason comparison uh, there, and you said, well, Glenn was here 10 years and PJ's only been seven. Well, over the next three years, when we suddenly have UCLA, USC, Oregon, right. and Washington, and the dispersion, however, of any of those four come to the West, uh, because I don't know how, you know, I don't know what, they're not going to be that way the same, but it's going to be a lot more competition than, than what we've had. That's going to be the telltale. And and I think that's what uh, is a bit concerning to me, because if we're 500 now with um, some fairly pathetic teams year in and year out, it just makes me kind of curious, okay, how much better or do we slide back a little bit more because of those four coming in? And it's going to make, make for some very some great games and all the rest of it some great but that west is going to get finally tougher because you look at the east michigan great ohio state very very good close to great probably great penn state damn good but slipping in a few areas maryland's getting a lot better fast rutgers getting a lot better fast indiana and michigan state have their issues or whatever especially particularly michigan state so when you look at the east the east is loaded and meanwhile, we are in an air, a, a category where we've got one of our leaders, Iowa, uh, has the worst offense in football. 
and that eventually finally bit him. But, you know, it's things like that 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 make me a little bit worried looking out into the future as far as, okay, let's see what our, you know, what our schedule is really going to look like when we have these Pac-12 teams entering into the Big Ten. That's going to make it interesting. With such a good defense and and even – um, the offense has the run game has has been good. Mm-hmm. I I guess I think, and I'm I'm hearing what you're saying is that this really you know this year, next year, maybe even last year should have been the time for the Gophers to really be contending in in the Big Ten West, mm-hmm. right? I mean that's that's what this comes down to, right? They're they're not gonna they're not gonna win the Big Ten total. They're not going to not when Michigan State and Ohio State are both undefeated. Even the third place team in in the Big Ten West only has one loss, and so. You know, this is, I think the knock there is, and, and rightfully so, is that this should be a time, this year should be a time that they are leading the Big Ten West. Mm-hmm. And so, and they're not. And so I think that, that that's a fair argument. We've got a, a, a so many texts coming into the Sadie Swan Plumbing <laughs> talking text line. We'll get to a few of them here. Uh, I'll, I'll just get us to my a couple of my favorites. <laughs> Gopher Athletics also trying to schlep some T-shirts that say "Hogging Points." Please, we're so basic that we make a shirt for a twelve ten victory on a technicality. <laughs> Charlie, did you buy a T-shirt? <laughs> no, but I, I, the hate is so ridiculous. They haven't won. But an it Iowa is a little 19, silly. We're making a T-shirt with a two-point victory. Nineteen ninety-nine. But it's a two-point victory a over a team a- that was ranked twenty-fourth. <laughs> yeah. A win's a win. You don't come on. Floyd is a major, major game. I don't care how you win. They won the game. I have no issue with a little bit of celebration. If no you want to be, if you want to be a winner, you got to act like a winner, Charlie. Well, you got to act like you've been. been there before. We haven't been. I, you don't, and I hate that saying. But why? you want why? to be. Why? You want to get there. Why can't people have fun? Why? Like who cares? It's the yeah. same reason why I told my son when he plays hockey. That he couldn't dab just because he, he knocked a puck away. You got to act like you've done something before. Act like you've been there for Pete's sake. Why? Oh my I, I, I don't. I, I, I've heard people say that for forever. Why? I don't think. I don't think it negatively affects the team at all. Because at all. I, I, I don't think, think there's any. But effect it on doesn't. It. it shows us as a minor league team that has never had a share of big wins. That's what yeah, it shows. I, I got one for you guys, and, and, okay. I, and I appreciate the argument. I love it. Um, I'm going to say this. Looking at the Big Ten West right now, we played Nebraska at the right time. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you take a look over the last – now, I'm not saying some of the competition. Obviously, they got whooped by Michigan, but so did we. They got beat less bad than we did, if there's such a yeah. thing. But they've won four of the last five games they've played. Now, again – Illinois, it's Northwestern, Louisiana Tech, Northern Illinois. I get it, but that offense is kind of coming around a little bit to to Coach Rule, and I just look around and think, wow, we we caught them at the right time. Is somebody going to catch us? I mean, we're all looking ahead, right? And we immediately say, well, they you know, did. We, we're, we're Northwestern. Pretty- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did. They looked ahead yeah. at Northwestern in the second half, for sure. But, you know, we got to be daggone careful when it comes to an Illinois team, a Michigan State team that might get pretty fired up against us, thinking we are somebody that they could take down. Uh, You know, we still got Purdue. And then you've got the big battles with Ohio State and Wisconsin. So uh, this is not a give me just yet. And I I just don't want the fans, Charlie, to think, you know, you can celebrate the win. But let's also remember we had four field goals to make that win. Now, a win is a win. You're right. But it wasn't that we really were just 
unbelievable and outplayed them to some degree. Our defense played great, but they also had the worst offense. So that was kind of neutralized out. And it's it was just a matter of, you know, who was going to have the ball practically last. And I got pretty worried on the last drive when they got a second shot at it yeah. against yeah. the Gophers. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're right. It was I mean, it was not a great win. I don't think anybody would say that the the no. game that they played was some incredible great um Great game. And so, yeah, and, and Illinois actually almost upset Wisconsin uh, the other mm-hmm. day. They, they played a heck of a game. Wisconsin had to win it at the last second. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, you know, they talk about the championship <laughs> week for this team. I just, I'm having fun. We won the I pig. I have, you know, last time we saw I'm the happy pig was what, you. eight years ago? And yes. last time at Kinnick, 99? Yes. I'm very happy for you, and I'm happy that you're going to go buy a T-shirt as we, uh, as we have the break. <laughs> I support that NIL. <laughs> All right, All right. we have a lot of these. We'll, we'll get to these texts again later because we have too many to get through, but some of them are, are, are fantastic. So keep them coming on the City's One Plumbing Talk and text line, 651-461-9226. Does the win for the Gophers yesterday change how you feel about P.J. Fleck this season? Coming up next. Hey, at least P.J. Fleck isn't sending people all around the country to spy on opponents. <laughs> there is a team that is, and we'll talk about it coming up next. You're listening to 830-WCCO. What does this one have to do with the, uh, with the I tried to I tried to find more pig songs. There's actually not that many. There's not a ton of pig songs. That was, that was my Green one. Acres. Yeah. <laughs> Green Acres. <laughs> Welcome back. Hey, Charlie, uh, it sounds like you're getting your shirt. Good. From the City's One Plumbing Talk <laughs> yeah. and Text Line, let's have us some joy. I agree with Charlie. In fact, I might buy him a T-shirt from Vanita. I'm going to assume and hope that that's our shirt. good friend, Vanita Sakar. Oh, yes. Which I we so love and appreciate that you're listening, Vanita, so thank you. And not surprised that she chooses joy. She's genuinely one of the happiest people that I know. So mm-hmm. we, will, we will choose some joy out of that, and we'll get back to uh, some of these fleck- uh, texts to the city's one plumbing talk text line later on uh, in the hour. It's six five one four six one nine two two six. The latest scandal in the NCAA is involving Michigan, Pete, and the fact that they've been sign stealing or allegedly sign stealing. Now, <laughs> sign stealing is not illegal. You you can do that. You can try to figure it out. There's nothing that can stop you. But what has happened here is is they are alleging that. A low-level staffer was sending people to opponents that in the same year and trying to steal the signs and figure out uh, their system for plays. That, now, that is illegal. You cannot spy on an opponent that you have in the same season and try to steal their signs for upcoming games. Uh, there's a lot of issues with this, uh, the first of which is Jim Harbaugh says, and I quote, hmm. I do not have any knowledge or information. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Guarding the University of Michigan football program illegally stealing signals, nor have I directed any staff member or others to participate in an off-campus scouting assignment. I sure hope that that's true or that at least he has made everyone aware that that's supposedly true, quote-unquote. Because <laughs> if not, 
he just got himself into a whole mess of hot water, uh, even more so than he already is. So, But we've talked about this before, Pete, and you have a much better angle on college football than I do. I always find it very difficult to believe that a head coach of a major Division I college football program does not know what's going on underneath him at any mm-hmm. point in time, does not get these reports. The idea that a low-level staffer coordinated and sent a network of people to future opponents without having any sort of paper trail or any sort I mean, you have to arrange for travel, hotel room, meals, all these things. He's not doing it on a low-level staffer's income, I can tell you that. So clearly that money is coming from somewhere. So there's a paper trail here. Mm-hmm. But the idea that this kind of thing happens without the head coach knowing, to me, seems very naive. And I, I just I have trouble believing it. Where do you sit on that? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, it, it, it would seem to me that somehow Jim, Jim would have to know at least to some degree that there's this is going on. Uh, you know, to your point, though, and you bring it up, and, and I grant you that it, this is uh, something that you're not supposed to do, you, but it's not against NCAA rules, right, as I, as right. I read them? I think that's as correct. Long, as long as it's not in the same season. Right. And, but, but I also look, and, I, and I'm thinking, you know, this is the same university. I mean, they're starting to get a little bit more of a black eye, I would think, because yeah. they also had the, the COVID uh, recruiting yes. time frame as well. Yes. So the, Jim was not able to be coach at least game day the first three games because of that. So you add that to this and other things that have gone on over you know many years at Michigan now for Jim. And it does make you scratch your head a little bit and say, well, these guys are, are they're not full rogue, <laughs> yeah. but, but they certainly are pushing the limits to some degree. And how far will, will the Big Ten and the NCAA allow them to keep pushing and pushing and pushing, right? That's, and that's the question. Yeah. That's something I'd be very, yeah. Michigan Spygate is definitely going to be something interesting, I think, as it plays out. The, the ultimate comeback to this is you still have to have the players to be able to do it, and Michigan Absolutely. is incredibly yeah. talented. Knowing the signs or not, I don't necessarily think it's going to matter. Uh, you, you know, Let's be honest. Um, the Gophers probably could have stolen every sign they needed to against Michigan and probably still wouldn't have won the game. That's not a knock on the Gophers. That's just simple talent lining up against talent. It's mm-hmm. the same thing I've always said with sign stealing in baseball. That's great if you know the fastball's coming. You still got to hit it, right? I mean, if if Royce Lewis knows the fastball's coming, he's still got to hit it. If I know a fastball's coming, uh, God help me if I'm going to hit it. Like it doesn't matter. So it's, it's you still have to have the talent to do it. So I'll be interested to see where this goes because I I do think um, you're right. You make a great point that eventually here, at, you know, how much are they going to let slide and get away with before they say, okay, guys, this is enough. You're breaking rules. Either. Either, you know, either Jim's going to take off for the NFL, as it seems like he's threatening to do every year, mm-hmm. um, or, or they're really going to slap something with him. So we will be interested to see uh, where, this, where this takes off. We'll take a quick break, come back, and the Wild lose last night to Columbus. Wes Wall's going to join us next. I want to ask him whether that offsides call that negated uh, Marcus Johansson's goal really was offsides. I, I feel like he probably has a very strong opinion on this. We'll talk about that next. Later, listen to the huddle on 830 WCCL. Welcome back to the huddle. Minnesota Wild dropped one in overtime last night to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Joining us now, our good buddy, former Minnesota Wild captain, Wes Walls. Good morning, Wes. 
Hey, Dave. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Hey, Pete. <laughs> I'm doing good. Hey, Wes. I'm doing good. Good to have you on with us on the John Schuster Coldwell yeah. Banker Hotline. Uh, this morning, uh, Wes, I, I, I'm curious, the Johansson uh, no goal last night. I heard, D, I, I read Dean's comments. Uh, I saw the video. Did you think that it was offsides? Or do you think that it was that that should have been counted? Um, you know what? I was I was actually stunned in the booth. Uh, you know that that goal was even being looked at when I watched it live. Um, you know, and you, you listen to Dean's post game uh, press conference, and it, for me, he's a hundred percent right. Like, at, at what point during that power play zone entry did did Marcus Johansson? not have possession of the puck. Mm. And uh, for me, never lost possession of the puck at any point. And, um, I mean, it was a really tricky entry for sure. And, and only uh, a player like Marcus Johansson, as nifty as he is, understood that their, their, the forward was going to reach out and try to poke it off, and he slipped it underneath this stick. In essence, and you played hockey, Dave, you understand this, he, he in essence like passed the puck to himself. Right. Um, underneath the stick so he could get entry. And for me, for me, um, at no point did he lose possession of the puck. Now, I could understand, <clears throat> I really could understand how, uh, you know, players in the National Hockey League have a trained eye. <clears throat> Not all fans have a trained eye. But players that play at the highest level uh, have a trained eye. They know that, that Marcus Johansson did, at, at, never lost possession of the puck. But if you don't have a trained eye, you could watch that play and say, oh, he lost the pocket. It, it, it went off of his stick. So it's a difficult situation for everybody. I could see how two different people could look at that same play, Dave, and, and look at it completely different. And um, I, I do think it's something that the NHL needs to potentially revisit at some point, uh, you know, when the season's over, because um, that was it. That was really a difficult play in the game uh, obviously that 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 goal by Zuccarello would have had them on their heels I think there was like four or five minutes left in the game and then you know obviously act took the, pe- the penalty and they scored a power play goal so it yeah for me at no at no point did he lose possession of the pocket it was an unfortunate uh situation that didn't go the wild's way so Wes we have the offsides and then we have the fair catch and they're all happening at the same time it's kind of crazy <laughs> isn't it <laughs> hey as, as as far as um as far as our goaltending is going, what what do you think? I know it's early. I know we're only five games in. Nothing to really you know go get get all scared about. But uh, they're just not looking quite like they did last year when we started off with Fleury and Gustafson. So is there is there anything you think to be worried about, or uh, or why are we not at the level you know that we kind of got used to last year? Well, I, I would agree that it's five games in. There's no, there's no reason to panic. Um, I mean, Pete, we'd be one and four if it wasn't for Gustafson right now. So I don't really agree with your assessment of Gustafson's game. Uh, mm-hmm. He stole game one, 41 out of 41. We had no business getting a point last night. So, <laughs> you know, I, I look at that completely different about Gustafson. You know, Mark Andre Fleury didn't play. He played good in Montreal and didn't. And obviously had, an, had a tough night Thursday night. Um, so it, for me, it has nothing to do with the goaltending. Obviously, Mark Andre had a tough night. So we've played, we've gotten great goaltending in four of the five games for me. Completely okay. the opposite, I would look at it. Uh, but our team defense, we're giving up way too much. Yeah. We, can't, we cannot expect our goaltenders to make 40 saves a night and, and continue to have the success 
that we need. And uh, right now the team defense is not where it needs to be. Dean, you know, he didn't hide from it at all. He just said it's not good enough, um, you know, the way the team defense is performing. And, and to be honest with you guys, uh, getting beat like they got last night and giving up 54 shots and losing might be the best thing that happened to the team, especially with the Edmonton Oilers jumping on a plane, heading, in many, uh, heading to uh, Minnesota here to play us on uh, Tuesday night. Um, when you lose as bad as the Wild lost last night, the coach gets the room back. It, now it's time for me. Um, and, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of video. There's going to be a lot of soul searching. And, you know, obviously the Wild got off to a tough start last year, guys. It's been well documented. But when they, when they started playing some of their best hockey, uh, they rattled off eight, nine wins in a row, you know, maybe six weeks into the season. They were holding teams to two goals and less. Like, it was almost automatic every night. Everyone was buying in. It was just a... It was a clinic, and at some point we're going to get that again this year. Uh, it won't be until Jared Spurgeon comes back. Um, we really miss him a, a lot. Yeah. I mean, he's just think about him being on the ice, guys, half the game mm-hmm. every night. Yep. So it's yep. uh, it's difficult to overcome having him out every night. Uh, but having said that, doesn't mean that the Wild cannot win without Boldy and Spurgeon in there. They're just not doing enough to, to be able to give themselves that opportunity with those guys out. Wes Walls joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. That was where I was going to go with my next question, Wes, because you, you could make an argument, and you just did, that, that the team missing Jared Spurgeon might be more detrimental to their success than them not having Boldy just simply because they have more forwards that can step up. But on the defensive side, I've been pretty impressed with Dakota Mermis's play. He's 29. He's been in the system for a while. What's he doing differently now that, that has his name kind of just sticking around saying, hey, maybe this guy's going to get some, some decent playing time up here this year because there's a lot of really good defensemen in the wild system. Yeah, I mean, well, just the experience of, of recognizing where he's at in his career. He's 29 years old. He's going to be 30. So anytime you know you, you plug in players from the American Hockey League and, and you're plugging in older players, it, it – puts the coaches more at ease than it would be like a Carson Lambos or, or Damian Hunt, guys that don't have that experience. Um, especially with Jared out, Spurgeon out, you know you're going to be playing a little bit more in your own zone than you otherwise would be. So having that experience back there is, is uh, you know, puts the coach's mind at ease. And, and listen, he's played great. He's been in, on the right side of the puck defensively. He's had good sticks. Um, his D partner, Johnny Merrill, got blown up in Montreal in a 5-1, you know, uh, late in the game. And it was a good time to jump in there and, and scrap. And he, he fought that Pazetta kid, who's no joke as a fighter. Mm-hmm. And anytime you look across the bench and you see, you see who your coach is, and he's Dean Evason, and if, if you knew the way that guy played as a player, he never saw that. So, he, and Dakota's no, he, he's, that's a smart. That's smart. When your coach plays like, you know that your coach played like that, and you have an opportunity to drop your gloves, even if you're, uh, you know, not the greatest fighter, but you're willing to do that. I'm telling you, that goes a long, long way. And Thursday, after the, uh, after the Kings game, the Wild didn't play great, obviously gave up seven goals. And unprompted, Dean Evison brought up Dakota Mermis's name. And anytime a coach brings up your name in a postgame presser after a loss, talking about how good you played, that's a good thing. And he backed it up with another good win uh, uh, game there uh, uh, last night. And uh, look, just just look around. Man, the, the Wild are giving up a lot of goals. Great opportunity for him right now.
to jump in there. Golgowski's out. You know, Johnny Merrill is it was a, has been a healthy scratch. Addison's still trying to find his way. Look around, man. There might be an opportunity for him right yeah. here, right now. And uh, I love those kind of stories. And, and well, let's see how it turns out. Wes, you've got some great youth on the team as well. Is there is there anybody that specifically right now? It's really early, but even in the you know preseason that type of thing, you got Faber and Boldy, and you got Erickson and Rossi, and all these guys. Uh, who stands out for you right now? You for for young kids in our organization? Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, I mean Beckman's been been okay. He still has to. You know, he can finish around the net for sure, but he's got to add more to his 200-foot game. Um, Carson Lambos is is, is still, uh, you know, he's he's all over the ice, and he makes a lot of – he sometimes skates himself out of position, so he's still got to learn to fine-tune his game uh, defensively. Uh, Damian Hunt got hurt, so I didn't get a chance to watch him, uh, you know, play a whole lot. Uh, Sammy Walker, uh, you didn't mention his name. I mean, I thought he was so good in training camp, and I think he would have made the team out of camp and had to go back down to the American League. Um, I, I haven't liked his game since he's come up and played these two games. He, he hasn't had enough. He hasn't had enough impact in these two games, um, you know, to, to, to warrant. You know, I mean, he's probably going to stick around. I don't know how that's going to play, but when you're playing with a gun to your head, if you're Sammy Walker, you can't have back-to-back games where you're watching the game going. You know, I didn't even really notice Sammy Walker out there, especially yeah. with guys like Vinny Letary down there. And, uh, that I mean, that's another guy that jumps off the sheet at me, uh, is Vinny Letary. Like, I, honestly, watching practice and watching that kid skate, wow. <laughs> I mean, that, that kid's knocking on the door. <laughs> he's knocking on the door. He's got a, he's got a great shot. And I, I, just, I just love watching him skate because he covers so much ice, and I know that speed kills. And, um, you know, we saw what Columbus did last night with young players and, and how yeah. fast and hard they skated. Um, so Vinny Letary would be a guy that I would say is knocking on the door right now for sure. Some, some decent family lineage there too. Wes, we're up against it. <laughs> yeah. I always appreciate the time, brother. Thank you. Thanks, Wes. You got, you got it, guys. All right. We'll be back. Second hour of the huddle coming right at you. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.